Okay, welcome to episode 53 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. In this episode we've got a change of pace. Um, this time we're just going to be chatting about uh, a certain person with a certain person. Uh, it's welcome to a legendary comics creator and a buddy of mine. Creator of Minimal Wage, White Like She, Rhesus Pieces and some novels which I've very much enjoyed which is Bottom Feeder and Pariah and much much more. Yes, it's Bob Fingerman. Hey then Bob, hi <laughs> right, man. I, I'm already feeling like legendary is uh, get off <laughs> something I can't possibly live up to. So, <laughs> well, you're in my mind. You're in a lot of people's minds, my friend. So, um, I was going to call you L.A. Bob because that's kind of how I think of you now after visiting. Oh yeah, you. well, that, really, it actually that's not uh, not a bad thing because yeah, New York Bob and L.A. Bob are two different characters almost. Ah, interesting. I've seen you in both places. Yeah, yeah, it's a, very different, aren't they? As well, now that you're out there out on the other coast good stuff right we're going to talk a little bit about your new book dotty's inferno which uh, everyone should be reading i very much enjoyed um so i might we may as well start with it actually because we can we can sort of reach back into the history and there's a couple of points in it that i want to ask you about your um your coming up through comics which which may or may not have influenced it but uh, how did dotty's inferno start bob I'm, i've got a feeling it's been in gestation for quite a while isn't it well, yeah, I mean, actually, the character, not that this really affects the comic that much, but the character and uh, scenario of her being in perdition uh, goes back many, many years, because I'd actually started a novel set in hell in which she was the love interest. And uh, at a certain point, I put that book aside who knows maybe someday i'll finally get back to writing it but uh she had stuck in my head for a while and when the opportunity to give her life in comics came up i said okay great now's the time cool nice well now i know um that so this is a collection was two things it's a collection of the stories of pit that have hit in heavy metal magazine and also softwood but there is there's a lot of new stuff in there as well isn't there yeah, and actually, yeah, I mean, the, the strips, I mean, if we want to, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, if this That's is fine. one of your questions, but uh, actually, the uh, her origin story as a comic uh, actually stems from one of my visits to London back in uh. 2015 or 2016. I'm not sure which it would have been, but uh, I did an event at... Um, orbital and uh that's the one that's right next to the uh that small theater correct that's right that's the one next to Le- leicester square tube just there yeah that's that's the one yep. yes uh yeah i did a thing there um uh with uh i think our mutual friend chris thompson yes that's right yeah yeah um doing a little uh kind of slideshow presentation talk kind of thing and one of the people who attended that was a french comics editor uh, a guy named uh, jean-paul moulin who edited the racy editions <laughs> still does of a french comics magazine called la mancab and uh he asked me if i'd be interested in contributing and i think it, again memory can't remember for sure but i think right in the moment i said to him oh yeah i've got something and that something was dotty uh i mean i hadn't put anything on paper yet 
But I was thinking, yeah, that would be potentially a, a saucy strip for the <laughs> French market. Yeah. Now, I remember coming to your flat in, I'm going to say Islington, I think it was. And That's cool. And I think while we were getting ready to um, have a coffee or or whatever it was, going for a bite to eat, you um, you left me sitting at the kitchen table, and I think there was a sketch of Dottie on some rough paper on that table, as I remember. Was, Let's was, just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember for sure, but uh, yeah. that, that sounds about right. And she was walking some dogs or something like that, as I remember, something like that. That very well could be. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So, I'm, did you want to explain a little bit? Or in in broad terms, what it's about, how, you know, how, how she finds herself in hell is quite, it's quite a nice part of the story that I very much enjoyed and what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think my vision of hell is that probably most of the people there don't actually belong there. Um, I think okay. it's any little, any little infraction gets you sent there. I mean, if you, if you really look at, uh, it's sort of the guidebook of, of, what behavior gets you into heaven? I don't think that many people would actually qualify. Yeah, there was a quite so, a few moments in that I was worrying, thinking, "Oh, am I going to hell?" Because that seems to be something I did quite a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. So you know, she's not a bad person. She, I yeah. don't think she has a mean bone in her body. But because she was a uh, in life, she was a uh, sex worker. That's it. That was enough. That yeah. got her condemned. But the thing is, the capacity. Uh, to which she's condemned is, I guess, slightly, uh, to use a, an awkward phrase, less worse. It's uh, not as bad. I mean, she's not really being tormented. She she has office duty for eternity, and that's that's really what it is. Is it's the story of a in life she was a, a call girl, and in death she works pretty much in the human resources department yeah. in hell <clears throat> yeah hr where all people go to in hell yeah i know what you mean yeah so she becomes the um the, so her origin story so spider-man gets bitten by a spider you know superman lands on an alien planet but she slips up on some vomit <laughs> that is correct he's genius yes she yeah she out she basically outwits a bunch of horny german sex tourists uh only <laughs> to slip in a drunk's vomit there you go <laughs> It's... <laughs> so did you um so i'm guessing you were commissioned by heavy metal now people that don't know heavy metal and softwood were the two magazines that it bid in and softwood's kind of a new venture of theirs isn't it it's um well i wish i could say it's a new venture it's i a... think it was a one-off and that's right. it okay. unfortunately uh yeah i would love for it to have continued because the idea of a of a sci-fi and horror humor magazine uh comics magazine very appealing but uh yeah i think for for reasons i'm not quite sure of uh it was a was a one shot it's so hard to tell with covid sometimes i think have we are we due another issue sometimes you, you never know do you um what's what's begun and what's ended okay now did they approach you to to collect it and add some extra material did they or no, I what? I mean, I had a couple of the stories uh, ran in actually in a slightly different form in the magazine. Uh, if there's one thing anybody out there knows about my work or collecting me, it's just chances are every time something sees print, it's been slightly altered from the previous yes. time it's yeah. print. 
Yeah, uh, I have a number of versions of minimum wage, my friend. Yeah, I've got to tell you. Yes. Yeah, yeah my apologies. <laughs> I used to think of there was there's a video label Anchor Bay, and every time they would re-release things like Evil Dead <laughs> and Army of Darkness, it was like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to buy it again because it was always slightly different. <laughs> so yeah, I'm one of those. Sorry, yeah. no, sorry, no. everyone. My pleasure. They're always sort of packaged um, quite nicely, so I've got no problem at all, my friend. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. But since they since they were originally conceptualized, as I said, for these kind of naughty issues of that French magazine, um, kind of like in Little Annie Fanny, there was always yes. the obligatory sex part. Yeah. And I actually didn't really want that stuff um, in in my perfect version of it. Um, it was more kind of interesting and funny uh, if she didn't always end up in that situation okay um you know maybe make her outwit people or you know that kind of thing uh not that it was ever non-consensual but i just i felt like that that belonged for the french magazine because that was that market yeah um but i didn't really want it in there so yeah the the book collecting it is the version that i really am happy with and and you know kind of represents where my head's at yeah it's good stuff man i think and funny enough uh, that's one of my later questions is about harvey kurtzman so those that don't know little annie fanny was a creation of kurtzman who um was an influence on you wasn't he in the early in the early days um well, he's i'm still an influence um yeah. and i was lucky enough to be a student of yeah. his when i was going to the school of visual arts um and but I mean, I was a student of his before I was actually one just because right. just reading his work definitely yeah. pointed me in a direction. I mean, it re- in a way, even before I knew who he was, because they, uh, you know, when I was reading, I don't know if they had these in the UK, but here they had uh, what they called Mad Super Specials, which were Mad Magazine reprint issues but they would always have some kind of bonus stuff that was we used to uh, see them new yeah i bought a few recently actually funny enough but yeah we used to see them occasionally but the, the uk had its own mad magazine we had our own version of it um yeah as did australia i think and they would have um so we had sort of uk specific stories in so we had you're aware of it i'm sure from your stays in england but we had an eastenders issue and stuff like that which you wouldn't have seen <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I mean, well, that's good. But yeah. the, the only reason I mention it is because in the super specials they would bind in uh, facsimiles of the old Mad comic books, the old color right. comic books. Yeah. And so you know, just reading those blew my mind. And since there was never a writer credit, I didn't know Harvey Kurtzman wrote everything in it, but I knew I I knew I loved it. And then where where was it you studied under him? Was it um. I haven't written it down, I'm afraid. It was a New York college, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the School of Visual Arts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was um, was Eisner a teacher there at the time? He was. Yeah, I, I had Kurtzman and Eisner. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite... pretty pretty hard to believe. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I think that you were on record saying that um, the classes weren't what you expected, though. Were they less about... Eisner's, yeah. Eisner's was what I expected. Right. I mean, in a way, it was very... And I, I don't say this as a put down, but it was very nuts and bolts. OK. Um, Kurtzman's class was weird because he I, I, I still to this day don't really know why this was 
the focus of his class, but it was gag cartoons, you know, the single single yeah. gag panel stuff like Charles Adams and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he never did, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think he ever did a single gag panel in his life. So it was a right. weird, it was a weird choice. I know he had been for a while the cartoon editor at Esquire magazine. So, you know, it's not like he didn't have any insight into that world. But I, you know, I chose his class just because it was Kurtzman. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think I read the course description. Yeah. Uh, I just thought, oh, it's Kurtzman. This is going to be amazing. And then it was amazing in that I was amazed that he was teaching something <laughs> that I had no interest in pursuing. It was like, oh, geez, I, I don't want to be a gag panel guy. But yeah, somehow, somehow we ended up, I, uh, you know, I ended up in his good graces and he gave me my first. Yeah, I was going to ask work, about that. So. Yeah. So you got your first job through Harvey Kurtzman, which is another great story. It's another incredible sort of turn of facts, isn't it? Turn of events. But so what was that? Yeah, was that um, bonkers. Was it Nuts magazine? Is that right? Yeah. 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 He uh, he was putting together these little, you know, paperback humor anthologies for the kids market. And he was looking for. Well, the, the weird thing was, again, it was all what made it kind of cool was it was really surreptitious because I almost immediately went from being an extremely lackluster student that <laughs> wasn't doing very good work for him to him seeing my private sketchbook and him offering me a job. I mean, it was that sudden. It was Real. just kind of like, Real. you know, Fingerman, your work is really disappointing to Fingerman. How do you like, how would you like to work for me? <laughs> just, <laughs> yes, please. So that's the ultimate way to get wages down, isn't it? You know, berate them as a student, then employ them. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say, <laughs> I will say the rates were extremely low, even for 19, whenever that was, 1984. <laughs> uh, I believe I believe I was paid the princely sum of $50 a page. So. Wow. It's not bad. I know some people who pay that these days. Never mind. Yeah. yeah well, actually, these days, these <laughs> days, that is a princely sum. Yeah. Now, um, circling a little bit back to your relationship now with heavy metal is one of your first works was, was it Rank Xerox you ended up continuing or drawing a satire of or something is that right oh yeah yeah boy we're yeah, yeah. we're really going back to the to the humble origins which was also <laughs> 1984 a right. lot happened in 1984 okay. 84 i was working for for kurtzman and again one of the extracurricular things i did just for my own amusement was a little three-page spoof of Ranksorox called Wanksorox and <laughs> Through a very convoluted food chain of introductions, it ended up in Tonino Liberatore's hands, the artist. Wow, okay. The real one. And he was sufficiently amused by it that he passed it along to his editor, who then commissioned me to do a bunch of these Wanksorox strips, uh, again, for the French market. Um, and then things just kind of went pear-shaped on all that because all, all i'll say is working for the foreign market before the internet existed was an extremely uh dicey proposition yeah so there's a few things lost in the post by a, a lazy french you know postman i'm guessing uh, yeah it, it, fortunately that never happened it was right. really just about communication you know ah, okay. i mean this was god this i, I you know this is where I'm going to start sounding like a really old codger, but yeah. I don't even know if fax machines were 
were yeah. being used in 1984. At any rate, you know, just like I say, just just kind of the whole the whole thing became very diluted from just the the uh, geography. Yeah, I'm guessing that the the heavy metal of now is very different and a lot slicker. Is that in dealing with them because i know you've um we spoke we spoke about it privately before and you were quite you're quite impressed with them they seem to be quite good guys quite keen is that right oh yeah no it's it's really been it's been a wonderful experience so far kind of almost like i'm not used to it (laughs) um (laughs) the the level of enthusiasm and you know fortunately now that the book's out i can also say the follow-through has been really great um so yeah, I'm 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 extremely happy about all this, and uh, they're a real pleasure. I'm mainly dealing with their CEO and uh, Matt Medney, and he's just a delightful guy to deal with. Yeah, you mentioned that before. That's good stuff, man. Now yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about a bit more about Dotty. The um, being the proud owner of two pages of yours, which I have framed in front of me. The, I know I know the amount of work that goes into it, but there's almost two different approaches in this, aren't there? There's um, the Borax story at the at the back seems to be slightly different. It's more um, I don't know how you put it, newsprinty appearance. And I know you've spoken on previous interviews about the way that you're you're working these days. Did you want to just run us through how you would process it? You know how you would draw and then color and whether you use digital or not on a, an average page of yours. In this book yeah well the the dotties i think are more consistent but the ralph and borax which are the backup strips yeah i wanted to try different approaches with each of those stories and you know should i be fortunate enough to get to do more uh i'd like to keep experimenting yeah uh with them just because it's fun it's nice to just try different techniques uh, but all the color is digital. Um, okay. It's it's a different, you know, there there's so many different ways you can paint digitally um, that I don't really want to limit myself to just one approach. So because it it, it gives it a sort of distressed um, look in some of them. Is that right? Is that something you're going for? Yeah. The 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 final strip was uh, yeah. It's, basically, that was my trying to trying to do kind of a pastiche of the old um, Harvey comics, not Harvey Kurtzman, but Harvey yeah. was a company that put out things like uh, Casper, the friendly ghost and yeah. hot stuff. You know, I was obviously I was thinking hot stuff. The little demon yes. um, yeah. was, was much on my mind. So yeah, uh, I think it's just fun, fun to yeah, play. It looks with, great, man. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love, books. I love that little feel to it. That's um, that old school feel to it. it gives it a it gives it a real personality doesn't it yeah i think so and you know if anything uh i wish i'd gone even a little more imperfect on it uh, there's a facebook group that i'm in um which is called off register and loving it and it's all just panels where the the color <laughs> plates are catastrophically out of registration and there's something really kind of wonderful about those and they're just yeah so i'm guessing you do you pencil and ink as as normal on paper or have you even changed that up yeah Yeah. no that's yeah it's still i mean there there are ways in which i use the computer to augment the work but all the actual nuts and bolts is still the old-fashioned way yeah 
Cool. And um, the other thing I've heard you talk about a bit in previous interviews is the importance to you of the writing. And you said the writing is as, is as important as the art to you. Is that something you want oh, to I've... talk about a bit, man? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I mean, for, for one thing, like the, the kind of writing I do, and I I'm probably could be accused of, of overwriting, but I really like dialogue. You know, yeah. to me, there that's where the rhythm of the story is almost more than the pictures. The pictures are something I, I put a lot of work into and, you know, really want them to look great. But uh, there's rhythms of speech. You know, I, I, uh -huh. it's, 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 it's impossible for me to be objective, obviously, about my own work. But I do think that there's probably a recognizable style to my writing as much as there would be to the art. Yeah, um, I think just some just something about the way the characters speak to each other and 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 again certain kinds of rhythms of speech and yeah uh, so yeah it's it's really important I mean re, you know reading to me growing up it came a little later I mean I could read at a young age but I didn't develop a fondness for it until I was probably about ten or eleven okay um. But once I did, you know, I really tucked in and reading just novels made me want to write. And, you know, I think that's it's interesting, why... man, because I know you recommended me to read Martin Amos. And um, it's, a, it's a he's a writer that I much ignored for many years. I just thought him, he to be a bit sort of bitter and dry. But I've, but I've torn my way through most of his stuff now, and, and I think I've messaged you saying, "Why didn't I read this before?" But he's he's and I, that's an exact quote I used when I was speaking to a comics writer recently. I said he makes me want to be a better writer. I think you're totally right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing, you know. And you know, there's again, there's there's definitely there are writers who I just read to enjoy, where I know that I'm not going to even accidentally emulate them because what they do is just so different than what I do. Um, so that's just pleasure reading, but there are definitely other writers I've read for pleasure where I know they've influenced the way I write just cause there was, there was something really powerful, but also, um, you know, a kindred spirit in their yeah. approach where it was just kind of like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, they're, they're, they're the right. Well, there are a couple of writers I can think of, like Terry Southern okay. and Donald Westlake yep. and Bruce J. Friedman. I know that not that I again, I would never consciously borrow from anyone, but I'm sure there are little bits of their patois that have made it into some of my prose just because I devoured their work totally yeah i have to say um i i'm a i'm a huge fan of both your art and your writing and it's and there's a there's a few moments i wanted to talk about because i think um there's a you use accents really well i have to say and rhythm in your dialogue which i think is much ignored these days one of my favorites of yours is the second volume of minimum wage and excuse me i've got the issue in front of me but the the bar scene where um your character goes to a bar is it in new jersey or something and there's some there's a lot of black leather jackets and a lot of uh, a lot of girls talk to and, and he, then he talks to the doorman outside and oh yeah yeah I love those yeah that yeah. it's yeah that that's in uh, Long Island right. part of New York okay. yeah otherwise known as Trump Country that's, is it oh uh, I didn't realize that okay yeah you know 
<laughs> that's a great scene man and and you you really pin on some accents in that as well which having been to new york a few times now i kind of get but um there's that's a difficult thing to do as well isn't it it's a fun thing to do right. i know it's become more and more of a um it's a dicey thing to do now because if you stray into writing ethnic dialect which oh, is something okay. i know i've had in my earlier work yeah uh you know that's practically a hate crime now and it doesn't matter whether it's authentic or not authentic i've spoken with some writer friends of mine now you know who say oh no you can't do that anymore you you can't write yeah in dialect which is which is weird because that means are you just going to make everyone talk the same that's yeah. not very it's not very realistic and it's also not very interesting if everyone has kind of the same voice yeah so you know, I'll I'll keep doing it, but I'll limit myself to <laughs> to the people who I think you can still, yeah. You know, they like I mean, there's the germ like I said, the German tourists yeah. in um, Dottie, and I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, God, <laughs> do no. German yeah. accents, yeah. and things like that. It's for one thing, I think again, so much has to do with context and intent. Yes, and I think if you're doing it, you know not in a mean-spirited way if you're just kind of being playful i i i'd hate for people to lose that i mean it's it's a world full of different types of people and you know, i think yeah. you got you have to acknowledge that you don't if if you if you use that as as a cudgel you know to hate them for that then that's an awful thing but i agree i mean there's this not that whole many of, we're all the same is is weird because we're not that's that's yeah. kind of what's great we're not the same yeah people differ tending on place don't they i think is the, the the quote but i think there's not that many german businessmen who are writing comics so i think they deserve their voice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly there's a great irving welsh documentary that was on um one of our tv channels over here a couple of days ago about a fence i think it's called a fence actually um and um, i'm a fan of irving welsh and he's another one who writes very strongly in um accents his um and having a a glaswegian mother i kind of get it so I'm, I'm okay with it you know but he there's a really interesting section where he tries to rewrite filth the book filth a page of filth mm -hmm. whilst not insulting anyone and it pulls <laughs> yeah it just pulls there it just pulls the power pulls the the style pulls everything out of it and just makes it bland as fuck you know yeah, I'm, I'm imagining it's also about 20 pages long <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, the bar the paragraphs are shrinking as you watch them yeah yeah, and it's a really thoughtful documentary where it examines both sides. If you can find it, dude, I think it'll probably be on YouTube somewhere at some point. But uh, he's an interesting yeah, guy. It it's called A Fence, and it's by Irving Welsh, uh, the, the train spotting okay, yeah. guy. Yeah, really interesting. Look for that. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about with your dialogue is um, the rhythm of it. You you have a rhythm. There's um, and I know having chatted to you a lot about it, you're you're quite influenced by music, aren't you? Growing up in Queens, I suppose the Ramones were around and all that sort of thing, were they? Or yeah, well, I would not even, uh, I, I can't be dishonest and say that they influenced me because I didn't even know they existed. Really? I, okay. I Go really ahead. didn't, I, you know, I mean, I did at a certain point, but, uh, you know, I, be, being in a way, being an only child of, uh, you know, in a single parent household and both my parents, you know, they were certainly not uh, hip groovy parents they were they were good parents but it's yeah. not like they were listening to pop music you know my dad only listened to classical music uh, okay. and opera 
you know, my mother would, you know, listen maybe to Frank Sinatra and Lena Horne and yeah. jazz. So neither one of those are things that uh, particularly, you know, hipped me to 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 what all the groovy kids were listening to. I had a couple <laughs> of older friends and they were the ones who began to point me toward my musical taste, you know, my my emerging musical taste. But yeah. You know, really, for me, the most contemporary music I listened to for many years was the Beatles. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, my, I was the same, man. My parents knew nothing about music. My dad my dad was kind of a Louis Armstrong fan, and we'd get a lot of that, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. there were some but, musicals, I suppose, was the other thing my sister used to play. But yeah, I, I get you. Yeah. Yeah, but by the time, you know, by the time I was in junior high school or middle school or whatever they want to call it, these days, um, you know, my tastes began to emerge a little bit. And then by the time high school came along, yeah, the Ramones were, were part of it. And and I did take local boy pride in knowing that they were yeah. guys from the neighborhood. In fact, I'm certain that I saw them when I was a kid just wandering around. But to me, they were just scary. Yeah, looking for their dealer I, or something, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. I, I could <laughs> just be, you know, this could just be me hallucinating or, or making up stuff. But, I, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that I saw a creepy character who I would think probably was Joey Ramone when I was wow. when I was a little kid. You know, if, if you see some seven foot tall freak going around, <laughs> who looks like he's a long-haired version of something out of H.P. Lovecraft, you know, how many people could it be? <laughs> that's amazing, man. Yeah, but that's the thing that's where I was going with that, is the rhythm in your writing. So there is, and your writing is um, very distinctly Mr. Fingerman's writing. I always find it, I can hear you, probably because I know you, but there is a real resonance to your voice and your writing at the same time. I was going to quote a couple of moments in uh, Dottie that I really liked. Um, I like I like Hell, like I like my strap-ons, low-tech, that was another a great line, um, and one of my favourites, "Lubrication Rhythm Nation." That's that's just sings out to me. It's such a great line. Um, uh, demons like you strut around like your king shit of turd mountain. Genius man. This, this gives it gives you the tone of the book. It's so up my street. I mean, did you worry? Oh, we're making <laughs> Sorry, we're man. making tens of sales. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> the um. Dong Trunjan Walloping. I like to think I had some influence in that, my friend. I like to think somewhere, you know. It's uh, it's a it's a book that um, is is extreme, you know. It's it's a book that probably some companies, and I speak from knowledge, would probably would not publish. But it's oh it, yeah, no, I'm sure it's very dong. I, I think I quoted you this before. It's dong heavy, my friend. It's very dong heavy. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine who who will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> But he he said he'd never seen so many flaccid dicks in his life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm so, probably the same. Yeah, yeah. So everyone so, is naked in hell, aren't they? Well, in the majority. Yeah. So most pe- most people, when we get to this level of hell, um, is um, is naked. Apart from Dottie, who gets given, she can say, you can either have a pair of granny panties or you can have a bra, and she goes for the bra because I think because most of the, most of the time she's sitting down. Most of the time she's sitting down and, yeah, she's well endowed. So, you know, a little something to help her Some back. Support. Yeah. Um, but everyone else seems to be um, buck naked, don't they? As she wanders around. And of, course the, yeah. and, of course, the irony is she's almost never sitting down in the entire book. Cause she's always <laughs> yeah. running around having adventures. So Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about her is she she is there's a naive element to her, but an enthusiastic problem solving element to her as well, isn't there? 
Yeah, well, I made her pretty. I made her pretty full on. You know, she's she's gung ho. She's she's also very kind of weirdly optimistic. You know, she's made literally made the best of of a hellish situation. So yeah, Did she you... has her. You know, she has her moments. She's great. She's a little down in the dumps, but you know, mostly she's pretty upbeat. Yeah, she's great. Is she based on anyone? Can you say? No, she isn't. She just was. She just kind of jumped out. I won't say she emerged fully formed, but she. She was just, I think she's a, I mean, she's definitely a type that I've drawn before. And, you yeah. know, that's. I get you. And you do draw all shapes and sizes as, as is, um, and, and your characters are attracted to all shapes and sizes. But, um, yeah, I do, I do think she's perfect for this situation. It gives her that, um, there's a Betty Boop sort, of, Boop sort of element to her a little bit, isn't there? Yeah, well, again, you know, there's. There are th- there are physical types that are just more fun to draw. Yeah. And you know, she's got a she is fun to draw. I think everyone in it's fun to draw because there as you say there's a wide variety of body types in there and you know, <laughs> yeah. for me that's to me there's nothing more boring than when people draw kind of generic human you know here it is it's and this is one of those things they drum into you partly in school and then definitely in comic books with the you know eight heads high and that's your perfect figure and is it really you know (laughs) to me it's a little it's actually a bit off-putting you've got this tiny little p on top of this yeah sort of perfect i guess perfect perfect in in very large scare quotes uh yeah physique boring yeah i mean kurt's one's okay but the, i prefer this i've got to tell you man yeah yeah definitely but the um were you worried about any kind of reception or adverse reception or people not understanding what you were going for here is there was there a, any, think, a discussion about I that think, yeah i don't know i think no reception probably would be what i'd <laughs> most be most scared of um but uh yeah i mean that's the thing it's 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 a far cry from being a woke book, but it's also, like I said, I don't think there's a mean bone in its body. Yeah, and, great. you know, it's, I think, I mean, it's, it's decidedly for adults, but I think there's some laughs in there. You know, there might be a few things in a way, I suppose if, if you do a particularly a humor book, if, if, nobody's offended by it that means you've done something completely bland and yeah toothless and what was the point but there's certainly also nothing in there where i went out of my way to offend anyone and if anyone's offended by nudity well then uh, this this is not the book for you but yeah in to me it's it's to not, me it's just it's not exploitative the there's no exploitation in the nudity here it's part of the the comedy and it's part of the story isn't it because nobody's allowed clothes um in yeah, hell. that's what i think i yeah. mean it's it's just part of the fabric of the environment to me it would be weird it would it would feel very ungenuine if everyone was just dressed for you know dressed for success <laughs> and just the idea of putting little loincloths on everybody that to me is like the fig leaves on on old statues it's yeah just that to me if anything, all it does is it just sort of draws your eye right to it, saying, why is that there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, as well, it plays to the vulnerability of the characters and how they are, you know, in hell. Because if I was walking around buck naked, I'd be worried about the things that were passing by me, 
you know, in this environment you've drawn here. You know, there's all kinds of demons and creatures and beasts, aren't there? That you know, you think, Christ, I wouldn't want my knob out if that was running about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and again, it's all part of the hierarchy. You know, yeah. there's the uh, there's there's a story in there with this uh, sexual suppression squad who regularly come to the second circle of hell, which is where yeah. the lustful are. And just to tune everyone up, you know, they just go there, wallop everybody, and yeah. uh, but they're all dressed in pretty much in in shiny black PVC, you know, fetish gear. So it's yeah. and it's um, it's all the height, the height of hypocrisy. Do you remember those old Marvel comics that would be? I think they were called Marvel Guide to the Universe or something like that. And in the back, you would have like the you know the this is this character this is spider-man this is his height this is his origin these are his powers and all this sort of thing i could think you could easily do one for the type of boners that you describe in this so we get <laughs> we get frightened boners then we get all different ones and of course it's all it all gets you in trouble getting a boner gets you in trouble doesn't it ain't there yes it does although i will <laughs> say none are depicted it's it's not an x-rated book so no yeah they're uh, mostly hidden it, aren't they it, yeah yeah it's, it's in a way there should be a sticker on the cover that says all dicks guaranteed limp <laughs> like most of the comics com uh, yeah okay, i think yeah. now we're now we're down to selling dozen of copy get off this is going to sell well this is great the other i'm just going to run through a couple of other moments here before we talk about your future stuff and things but the um the other one my one of my other favorite sequences is um uh when she licks a is it a toad she licks a toad doesn't she and then yes, she trips a psychotropic psychotropic toad yes we always hear about these don't we We always used to read about them in headshot magazines and stuff this sort of legendary toad that you could go and lick i'm sure there's a few frogs and toads in gardens that have been licked without true effect but she then trips balls and she ends up on the river sticks in a gondola mm -hmm. um, with a little demon mm -hmm. who appears later that's a great sequence mate and the coloring in that really interesting so you went for like a a two or three tone like almost like a wash color to it didn't you in in that one or in all of them? Well, in most of them, but in that one, I really like the 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 um, contrast between the purple and the almost sort of orangey red and yellow that you just sort of throws at the page. It's reminiscent almost of um, you know, you used to open those gatefold covers on albums and you'd get this sort of effect, wouldn't you? So there's no, it's not structured in panels either. Yeah, it's well, I, you know, I went for for in most of the stories a, a very limited color palette, yeah. uh, partly just because to me it it added visual harmony to the pages yeah um and uh but yeah actually the in in the trip and ball story uh the color actually boosts once she starts tripping yes and i really wanted to go it? for yeah. that sort of the posters you'd see in a head shop you know there's yeah there's the two-page spread. Unfortunately, one casualty of bookbinding is there was a very nice goat's head pentagram right in the center of the page, but unfortunately, ah. it's, it sort of gets sucked into the gutter. I get you. Um, yeah. You know, for anyone out there who's willing to crack the spine of their book, they'll they'll get a nice. And why not? Uh, other BL's other book books are available. There. You know, other copies are available. So crack, go ahead and crack your spine. You can always buy another. Oh, please, there yes. Buy, buy two. One to read and one to destroy. One to crack. <laughs> yeah. um, another one, another favourite moment of mine. And um, I think I'm going to say about 15% of our conversations now re relate to dogs. We do talk about dogs a lot, you and I now. Um, and, we do. <laughs> and um, I know that uh, you've, um, with your move and your added space, um, you've, you've become a, a dog guy. 
easily. Um, and um, I just love the double page spread, man, of the dogs um, chased by Cerberus um, across the page. There's some there's some cracking characters in there, mate. And I know there's a couple of yours in the middle of it, aren't there? Yeah, well, as a very happy consequence of uh, my relationship yep. with uh, my girlfriend, Valerie, who... Uh, who tells me know, she's it, a dog not, whisperer not, she's a she actually is a proper dog whisperer because i think i could do with her skills on my on my current beast at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah i think she says i'm the dog whisperer oh, wow, she's okay. good at getting them riled up i'm good at getting them uh calmed down <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean i never necessarily if i was looking in the crystal ball at my future i i did actually think at some point i probably would have a dog yeah. but i didn't think it would be uh chihuahuas but yeah. i uh i it has been discovered that uh i i love small dogs they're you mean both man they're yeah. great yeah they are great yeah good and small small but lots of personality yeah lots of yeah lots of passion yeah they're quite busy dogs aren't they yeah mine's um chihuahua crossed with jack russell and he's a bastard utter bastard but uh yeah i think i think our dog bugsy might be uh part jack russell uh, yeah i can see that actually yeah yeah because she does not have a chihuahua body she's yeah. got a very sturdy stocky body yeah with all the the nice food i'm sure you're feeding her she'll that that will become muscle i think a lot that's what's happened to our boy yeah yeah definitely right moving yeah, we'll on see. from <laughs> moving on from the dog talk section of the podcast is um You've tuned in to Dog Chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if there's ever one, anyone who scares me in in the world, and someone who, um, as a kid, I used to watch being interviewed and being quite sinister on the South Bank show, it's Francis Bacon. And um, oh yeah, I, I roared when I saw him turn up. That's a great moment, man. Love that moment. You you must be a fan. I'm oh, sure. thank you. Yeah. Oh, huge fan. Huge, <laughs> huge. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, the, if you're going to self-indulge, which, you know, to me doing comics should, should, I think all art should be a little bit self-indulgent. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought if I'm going to put a cameo in one of these strips, I'm, I'm putting Francis Bacon in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. He'd frighten me. Uh, imagine me, never mind bumping into him. So there's some excellent South Bank show interviews. If you can, if you can find them, um, where they, I think I've seen that. I think I've seen the South Bank one with, with, with bacon. Cause they used to air some of those, uh, I think on public television here. I know I saw some of them They're drunk out of their minds in it. It's genius. It's the best yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think that was. I think that was <laughs> the only condition you'd get. Yeah, Francis so. In, so. Yeah, yeah. And he's allegedly used to drink in Soho with Tom Baker, which I think is just the most amazing combination. Imagine bumping oh into my those God. two. To be, yeah. Uh, to be a fly on the wall there. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about your um, new thing coming up, but I did need to mention the pinups. It has this. Um, I, I, I took some pictures and sent them to a couple of pals and I said this may be the greatest pin-up section ever in a, in a trade paperback I've ever seen. Um, to, to name just a couple, you've got Dan Panosian, um, Bill um, Sinkovich, um, Mike Mignola, um, Dave Johnson, Howard Chake. The list goes on. This is incredible, man. But I think they're pals of yours, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very nice thing to. Uh, I mean, that's uh, if you're lucky. One of the consequences of doing what you do, especially doing it for a long time, is you end up with a a very uh, 
good, talented, and in in my case, I'm extremely lucky, generous social circle. Yeah. I showed the Sinkevich picture to my wife, and she laughed. It made her laugh because it's actually a picture of you, rather than rather yeah. than Dotty. It did make me laugh. That's a great one, <laughs> yeah, man. That's absolutely brilliant. I I did not see that coming. I <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw any of uh, Bill on Facebook had posted a photo of himself. Uh, he he uh, he had taken a, a reference selfie, um, but uh, he's completely nude, holding a gun, and it's. <laughs> It's a dorsal shot of him, like holding a gun, like aiming it back over his shoulder, and he censored his uh, bottom in the photo. But he posted it. God knows why. I don't know what, what possessed him. But suddenly, it was just this outpouring of people doing drawings of him. Uh, oh, brilliant! In that pose, hundreds of these drawings, including from you know real noteworthies and. Anyway, I uh, I wanted him to know he's not alone in having embarrassing reference photos, so I sent him one of me <laughs> holding one of our dogs, and I did not expect that to be the pinup. Wow. Have you got the original? I do not, oh, but okay. he he has he has said he will give it to me someday when when lockdown is I over. Know, I know. I was only reminiscing. With, finally, I was only chatting to a pal the other day about the. Um, the Huntingdon Beach convention that we went to, which may be the greatest convention I've ever been to, because they had no attendees and loads of guests. And uh, yes, that was great. Really good, man. Yeah, and I got to wander around with you, Joe, and Joe Data, and meet like the the best people ever. Yeah, um, yeah, that was an incredible weekend. And what a beautiful place! What an amazing setting for a convention. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we were chatting before you came on, and you said you've got more coming up with heavy metal, which is I'm over the moon to hear. So what what sort of thing have you got? planned at the moment dude well actually um to return to the the theme of writing um for i believe summer of next year a new revised because again why why would my prose be any different than my comics (laughs) a um substantially revised edition of my novel pariah will be coming out uh, which I'm very excited about um, having that back in print and, and not just back. So that's the thing, you know, the, the previous edition came out 10 years ago. I've had 10 years to think about what could I improve? Yeah. And now I know. So oh, that's good stuff, man. I'm a, I'm a, well, I, I had trouble finding it actually. And you gave me a copy, which is very kind of you, but any chance of bottom feeder coming out again or. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess one thing at a time, but uh and the thing is, both of those books, I had sequels that I was planning to do. So, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but maybe maybe that'll finally be the time. Yeah, both great, man. And both. But, I, but I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, Heavy Metal, it looks like they're going to be uh, going full steam with a prose line as well. So okay, very excited to be part of that. Interesting. Yeah, and what about comics-wise? What have you got planned? I'm working on a new thing that I don't have a publisher for it yet. Something I'm I'm just uh, working on that is very different than my other stuff. But okay. I I probably not comfortable talking about it Fine. yet. Let me get a little farther into it. No worries. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, 
no good stuff um what about cover work i know um, i always find it a great pleasure when i find a variant by you there was the you did one of the looney tune ones didn't you was it Batman? yeah that was a great was. cover man loved that so much yeah which, yeah, which one was that was um i forget the name of the geezer who hunts wabbits it was him wasn't it yeah it was elmer fudd and batman <laughs> that's a genius just brilliant yeah Good stuff, man. Um, and I can't get you on without asking you to recommend who who would if if for we get a lot of people who are artists and writers listening to this. Is there anyone you would recommend as um, someone that perhaps they should know about and maybe haven't? Anyone in particular? Just from your past, doesn't have to be a current creator. Well, I mean, if we're going to go for a current one, actually, uh, we were talking just privately about Noah Van Sakiver. Yes, very true. Uh, and I really enjoy his work. I think he's doing really good stuff. So to support somebody who actually, you know, deserves some yeah. some attention. And, and I think he's doing really high quality stuff. He's got a new book out. I actually haven't gotten it yet. I think it's called Don't Step on My Junko Jeans. And <laughs> it's a collection of uh, daily comics or weekly comic strips that he did. But he's done a ton of books. I mean, once you once you start looking at him, you see he's... In addition to being very good, he's also very prolific. So yeah, and and quite thoughtful. He's a thoughtful guy, isn't he? There's there's some really interesting stuff in there. I think if you follow him on Facebook, he does put the odd page out, so you can you can get an example mm -hmm. of what his work's like. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Oh yeah, Fantagraphics drawn and quarterly kind of vibe to it, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. But yeah, really just nice, fluid. I would say very natural cartooning. Good. You know, it's. There's nothing fussy about it, but it's all really, I think, very cohesive and just really um, confident. Yeah. And the other thing I hope lockdown's going to end, one of, well, one of the main reasons, is I get to see all your work coming out of the drink and drawers that you do, because there was a little period before lockdown where you were going to drink and drawers, weren't you? And there were some amazing headshots that were coming out of it. Yeah, that every I think everybody kind of does their own thing at those, and yeah. for, you know... For whatever reason, doing watercolor portraiture was was what I always chose to do. Usually, of either politicians, I politic politicians. Wow, <laughs> do I speak much? Politicians. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you for making my excuses for me. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say I'm drinking and drawing now. That would give me an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, either politicians I I hated or character actors that I loved. That seemed to be yeah. the the two ends of the spectrum that I would do. Yeah, I miss drink and draw. I miss a lot of things about yeah. uh, normal life. But let's hope that maybe one of the the many uh, different things in 2021 will be the uh, yeah an, a, a an effective vaccine that lets us resume our lives. Well, fingers crossed. And it, to be fair, that I've told you before, it was a plan of mine. Would I would have been back in California by now if it wasn't for this bloody virus, you know. Being a pensioner yeah, now, at the time. Yeah. And we would have visited London. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I know we um, we both had a number of conversations about um, Port um, Port Merion, about the, the the village oh, the prisoner my. was in, yeah. and yeah, I think you'd love that man. It's a great place to work as well. The writing I got done sitting there was was great. What a place, and very very crap Wi-Fi, which is always a bonus these days in by for old blokes <laughs> like me. Yeah, good stuff, man. Where can we find you online? Where can people go and buy your books? Where can they follow your art and your um, your shenanigans online? Where can we find you? 
Well, you know, there's always Amazon because they're, you know, they're just a struggling little mom and pop company <laughs> and they really need your custom. So that's, uh, I just want the little guys to succeed. <laughs> yeah, good man. But if, if for whatever reason you don't want to buy from Amazon, I'm pretty sure that or uh, you can order directly from Heavy Metal, which would probably be even better. That's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did. And I think there's a deal going on where you get a T-shirt as part of it as well. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's an exclusive T-shirt offer. So uh, I did a pretty big Daddy Roth style dotty <laughs> T-shirt. So hopefully a lot of people will want to be sporting those when they can go back out in the world. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and it's also I think it's in, been in previews, isn't it? So I think it's due to come in my um, my Paulist box any any day soon as well. I've ordered a second copy as well. But yeah, it's um, you can order it through previews as well and through your local comic shop. It doesn't necessarily have to be Amazon. But yeah, that's good stuff. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah, spread spread the money around to the folks that need it. Yeah, you support your local comic shop. And um, what about social media? Your um, you've got a Facebook page dedicated to your cartooning. Is that right? I yeah, I have a public Facebook page. I think it's just called Bob Fingerman, cartoonist and writer. Yeah. Pretty sure that's it. It could be writer and cartoonist, but I'm pretty sure I front loaded cartoonist. Um and Twitter, just Bob Fingerman on Twitter, at Bob Fingerman. Uh that's for people who wanna uh, hear me complain about politics more than talk about art. So uh, there's a lot to complain about, an my friend. For you, yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping that you know. I'm hoping come come inauguration day, my political posts will drop down to uh, virtually zero. That would be wonderful. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think um, I think I may have texted you. Um, when the results were coming in, and you said, "Right, don't count your chickens yet, my friend." <laughs> I'm still, I don't want to, don't don't want to tempt fate. But I think we're almost there, aren't we? We're nearly even, there. Even with every one of his bullshit attempts to uh, upset the apple cart, I'm still not counting my chickens until yeah. inauguration day. Agreed. Agreed. Good stuff, man. You can find my work over at tributepress.com, Hercules 3. Um, as I'm now famously banned from Kickstarter, you can pre-order at atomichercules.com. Um, it... I still can't believe that. <laughs> no, it's quite a shocker. Um, you, uh, yeah, so please go over and pre-order. We're, uh, we're almost finished. We've got, um, I think Adam is just finishing the backup strip for it at the moment, and there'll be some bawdy nonsense coming your way from me as well. But uh, tell you what, in the it, before then, go and buy Dotty's Inferno. If you want to chuckle, you want a good read, uh, you want some lines that will stick with you and just make me laugh out loud. There's there's lines in this I was texting to friends just because they made me laugh. Um, so go over and get that. It's, it's always, as always, with Mr. Fingerman, it's always a great read. So good. And thanks, Bob. And um, I'll say goodbye to you now, but I'm sure we'll keep chatting for 10 minutes or so in a minute. So thanks, dude. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Tony.